You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Come thou long expected Jesus, born to set your people free. Free from our fears and our sins, would you release us? Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. He is our joy. And behind me you hear these words coming almost off the chalkboard or off the screen. The weary world rejoices. Hmm. No one else can rejoice for you. Did you know that? No one else can adore the Lord for you. No one else can worship for you. No one else can raise your hand in blessing on your behalf. That's an assignment that we all have. And I was reading through the Christmas carols. Joy to the world, the Lord. Let earth, let every heart. Do you see a summons? If you uh, read other songs, oh, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, rejoice. Rejoice, Emmanuel has come to thee, O Israel. O little town of Bethlehem, the hopes and fears of all our years are are met in thee tonight. And there are summons over and over again, O holy night, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. It's our assignment to respond to Christmas. No one else can respond for you. It was back in 1743 that John Francis Wade wrote, O come, all ye faithful. Oh, come let us adore him. No one else can adore him for you. And sometimes when we read, oh, come, uh, come denotes movement. We don't feel like moving much. Oh, come all ye faithful. We might not feel that faithful. Joyful, we might not feel that joyful. And then triumphant. Uh, rarely do we use that word triumphant in our vocabulary. How are you feeling today? Triumphant. <laughs> Honey, how are you this morning? Triumphant, you know. And by the way, when you're triumphant, no one's triumphant for long. Um, just think of the NFL. NFL, it stands for not for long. And uh, <laughs> some players don't last long. Uh, I've had a few friends in my lifetime who have gotten drafted and uh, they didn't last long, not for long. And according to statistics, the Super Bowl do you know there's no team that have ever won the Super Bowl 10 years in a row? Think about it. You know? Lakers, three-peat. Well, they were all excited. Three times. Joyful and triumphant for three years. And then somebody else won. Someone else comes in first place. You, you can't always live triumphant except when you understand our triumph is not temporal. Our triumph is greater than sports. Our triumph is found in Christ and and Christ alone. We triumph in him. So I don't know about you, but every time I seem to go to a brick and mortar store, I get in the wrong line. Um, I was in a line the other day buying a couple items, no big deal. And a lady in front of me was writing a check. Um, Not too many checks are written anymore, debit, credit, sometimes cash. But she was writing an actual check. And then the Cashier said, um, I need 19 forms of ID. And so she's looking through her wallet to find her IDs. Or this, this no joke, this happened to me recently. I, I go to the grocery store, and I think here's what they do. 
Bernie's in the store, close all the registers. <laughs> Everyone go on break. Bernie's here. So, so, so I, 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 I go to the, to the line, and I get in the line. And listen, if you do this, God bless you. You are phenomenal. If you're the coupon queen or king, God bless you. But I get in the coupon aisle, and the, the, the lady is just magnificent. She buys, you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit, not much. She buys $1,000 worth of groceries and gets 97 cents back from the store. And I got to wait, each coupon. And I don't know why I'm here, because in the next item, uh, island, uh, uh, 10 items or less, and the guy's got 67 items in his cart, and uh, I went to the self-checkout, and it wasn't working, so you just, I, it, it's almost like the curse of Bernie's in the store, and uh, I went to Home Depot, the same kind of thing happened, somebody wanted 15 lights, and they only had 10 in their cart, and they went to checkout expecting that the, somebody would find the other five, uh, Joe, bring the five, seven lights, you know. You hear back, Joe's on break. Bill, come, Bill called in sick. I mean, it just went down the list over and over and over again. So I don't know why I'm telling you that. I want you to have some sympathy for me. I guess not too much here. Oh, come all ye faithful. Now, Christmas is a call. Would you just jot this down if you're a note taker to the weary? To the weary. The weary world rejoices. Come and behold him. There's movement. The shepherds had to move. The, the magi had to move. Uh, Mary and Joseph, God bless them, had to move. There's movement. But Jesus calls us, Matthew eleven twenty eight. come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I'm going to give you rest. If you don't get anything out of the rest of this message, because it's going to be longer than your mind can probably absorb, I just thought I would tell you this. I, I really believe that there's a word from, from God, not just Scripture, but a word from God pressing this community of believers that it's okay for us to rest in Him. To rest in Him. In other words, I can't earn my salvation, or I can't earn His love, or my perfectionism. Here, Lord, look how how I love you, would you love me back? He already loves us. We purposely sang those songs today that, that Paul uh, selected for us to sing about the love of God. And somebody goes, well, there wasn't really any Christmas songs in that list. Oh, I beg to differ. You know, what love the Father has lavished on us that we should be sons and daughters of God. Oh, God, thank you for loving me. I have a hope. I have a future. He's a God of heaven loves me. We, we, we sang that and declared that as a part of our worship today. And I want you to think about rest. I've got a couple pictures here for rest. Uh, isn't that great? Now, we know that, um, that Leo the lion could probably devour any of us in here. Uh, you know, look at that mouth. And he wouldn't come and lick you to death. Let me tell you, he would devour you. But in a restful position, uh, the other night I had the honor of um, going to the uh, Christmas party for the 30th uh, security forces. I'm the honorary commander for, for the wonderful defenders that we have. And uh, I met this, this airman's little daughter, and she's three and a half weeks old. 
And she was holding this. Now, they've got their ugly sweaters, and everybody's gawking at each other's sweater. But this little three-and-a-half-week-old little precious girl stole the show because everybody was like, oh, look at you, look at you. And I, and I told her mom this. I didn't try to over-preach. I preached a little bit. I, I said to her, you need to understand something. That's the picture of how we're supposed to trust God. Because your, your little girl isn't worrying about the next meal. She'll let you know when it's time. <laughs> she'll, she'll make noise when it's time to eat. But, but she's not worrying about the next meal. She's not worrying about the next diaper change because she knows you got it under control and dad's got it under control. She's not worrying about taxes, the economy. She's not worried about the global affairs. She's resting in your arms. And, and this is a picture of how God really wants us to be with him. And even though we're busy and the weary world is around us, and we could stop and somehow have not just a physical rest, but a spiritual rest in him, knowing that any attempt at trying to earn salvation or achieve the love of God in us would only end up in us being more weary. Now, you don't have to be a PhD in psychology to understand that of all the nations in the world, Americans are the weariest. We are the most worryful. We are the most uh, tired. We are the most scurrying about trying to accomplish all that we're called to accomplish. But the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 13.9 that your heart should be strengthened by God's grace and not by obeying rules. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying throw out the Ten Commandments. I'm not saying just do what you want, you know, it's your life and you'll do what you want. That's an old song. But that we would all be people who would be strengthened by God's grace, that we would rest in his unchanging love. Jesus says, you come to me all who are labored and heavy laden and overwhelmed and burdened and I will give you rest. Max Lucado says it best. He says, let grace happened for heaven's sake. No more performance for God. No more clamoring after God. Of all the things you must earn in life, God's unending affection is not one of them. You have it, and you can now rest. You can rest. God, you love me in spite of me. Do you ever just wake up in the morning and say, I can't believe that you give me the gift of this day? I was driving in this morning just saying, God, I can't believe I get to go see these great people from LFC. And Lord, thank you that anybody would show up after last week. You know what I mean? That's how I feel. I, with my family, and uh, yesterday I had the privilege of, sorry for a little braggadocia here, but uh, I had the privilege of watching my grandson play in the uh, uh, Central Coast YFL All-Stars football team and um, the South County against the North County. It was kind of cool. And uh, the north being actually uh, San Luis and Napomo and Atascadero and Paso and little guys from Cabrillo Youth Football and Lompoc Youth Football and Santa Maria and, and Guadalupe and Orcutt 1 and Orcutt 2. They all got together and they played and, 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 and our team won and, and it was 21 to 0 and I was pumped and my grandson was a part of that. I, just, I was just pumped and he's coming off the field with his buddies. They practiced six nights over in uh, Santa Maria at Rigetti in the cold. I was with them Monday night. It was, uh, the, the, well, the series said it was 42. Feels like 39. I said, you guys are lying. It feels like 30. 
and the grass was wet, and they were all playing under the generator lights, and, and it was just great to be a part of that. And when they're all coming off the field, it was like slow motion. They were rejoicing. And they were smiling. And then I met the team of the North. I talked to the coach, and I said, thank you, sir, for investing in the lives of young people. And he said to me, yeah, but it's a long ride to a Tascadero, baby, when you go home with a goose egg. And I said something really foolish like, but the weary world can rejoice. He didn't want to hear it. He was so caught up in the loss that he, he, he couldn't see the value of what he had done in the moment. And I understand that. I've been on losing teams before. But last night late, all I could see as I was saying my closing prayer before I nodded off, I could see the faces of those little 10-year-olds running off the field, all sweaty and their hair all messed up. And, and whether they got to play a lot of the game or a little of the game, it didn't matter. They are running off the field. We're triumphant, joyful and triumphant. And it was almost like the little whisper of God in my soul that just reminded me, I, I should be like that every day because I'm on the all-star team. I don't know if you knew that or not. You are too if you're in Christ. We're on the winning team. And that's not just, that's not just hype, that's hope for us. The Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ who, who came to give his life for us. And the second thing that he does is, is Christmas is a call for people who are far from God. It's really far from God. You know some people who are really, really far from God. Just think about one name. I mean, this, this guy or gal is so far from God. They're so anti-believing. They are the, the epitome of the atheist. You, you know who they are. And Christmas is a call to them to come to Christ. It's a call for all of us. In Matthew 9, verse 12 and 13, on hearing this, Jesus said, it's not for the healthy who need the doctor but the sick, for I have not come to call the righteous, but I've come for sinners. That's why Jesus came to earth. He didn't come for people that were pious or had some kind of self-righteousness, who, who believed in works, but, but he came for people who were sinners, who were the poor. The definition of poor is I don't have it and I can't get it. I don't have a means to save myself, and I can't get it. But in Christ, I can receive that gift of salvation, and it can change my life and heart. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come, and the old is gone. In 1 Peter 1, 3-9, let me just read some of this to you. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a, what? A living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept where? Uh, in heaven for you. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Again, another choice. You look at what Christ has done for you, and if you believe in Christ as your Savior, then he has an inheritance that's locked and kept for you. I don't know if you have a safety deposit box, but if you do, you know a couple of things. First of all, it's usually behind a little door. You can see the safety deposit boxes in the back. And where I bank, it takes two keys. I put my key in, and then this lady with bifocals normally and she looks at me with suspicion, like, why am I going in the vault? But anyway, uh, she puts her key in there, and our keys together open. 
vault where the box is. I, I love that picture because someday we will go with our faith, our little key, and we will stand before the Lord and we'll put our key in the lock and Jesus will come over and put his key in the lock. And it's not my works, it's just my faith, that's my key. But it's his finished work on Calvary and, and his resurrection and and it opens up, and then the safety deposit box comes out. And, and let me tell you what's in there. Hope and grace and eternal life and no more death and no more sickness and no more sadness. And no more worry and no more weary. We're just going to rejoice for all eternity. And he goes on to say in First in Peter that we will go through suffering. And don't you want to tell Peter, duh, like, yeah, I know I'm going to go through suffering and all kinds of trials, and these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater than worth and gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire, may result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So all the stuff of life that's hurtful and harmful that we go through will result in greater praise and glory to the Lord and I studied this and want you to know that though I'm not a great theologian, I, I studied this. Jesus Christ is revealed. It's not only speaking about the future revealing of the Lord, his second coming, or when we see him in heaven. But anytime Jesus comes to us in the midst of our pain and our, our loss and our tragedy and our difficulties and our weariness, that we see him come and we say, you know what? I look at my life right now and, and what I have going on. I look at my pain or maybe a medical prognosis and I can stop and say, you know what, in the midst of all this, Jesus is here and I will greatly rejoice in him. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with a what? Inexpressible and, and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Jesus wants us forgiven and he wants us free, and he wants us full of joy. Joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. That's where that old hymn comes from. It's First Peter. Now, I look at this word, exceedingly glad, to rejoice. Let me give you some, just some commentary. To be super abundantly happy in a profound sense. It has nothing to do with circumstantial evidence. It has everything to do with hope in Christ. It's not in some thing, it's hope in someone. It's never temporal joy, it is eternal joy. It's spiritual joy, it's supernatural joy that comes to us. In other words, we can be jubilant and exuberantly glad. If any of you know Pete Hope, uh, part of our congregation, he will always tell you this. How you doing, Pete? I'm abundantly blessed. He'll always say that. I've known the guy for 20 plus years. And when he's doing well, he's not doing well. That's just, that's just his response. You got a cold, Pete. How are you? Abundantly blessed. I know other people who they're abundantly sad all the time. You know them. They don't go to this church. They, they go somewhere else, I'm sure. They don't go to church at all, but they're abundantly miserable. I, what, how are you doing today? Oh, my gosh. I got a boo-boo here and a boo-boo here and a boo-boo there and... And you tell them something like, yeah, I've got a little crick in my, oh, you ought to feel my elbow. Huh? And you say, well, my elbow hurts worse. And now you're, now you're like trying to outdo each other's misery. 
But we are to be people who rejoice, even in the midst of the weariness of the world. 1 Peter 1.6, just hear it again. In all this, you greatly, greatly rejoice. And I stopped when I was writing this message, and, and I just put my head on my desk and said, God, I repent of the times I do not greatly rejoice. And I would allow the misery of this world to somehow overshadow the greatness of who you are. So what does Jesus come to help us do? Well, I think Jesus comes, number one, to help us become more faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful. He comes to help us be more faithful. Hebrews 12, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Listen, if your faith gets a little low, or maybe today, because of what you've just been through, your, your faith is down a little bit, you can look to Jesus. Notice he says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Um, he just got through in verse 1 saying, run your race. Run, run your race. Uh, the word race in the Greek is the word agon, A-G-O-N, from where we get agony. Isn't that nice to know that the agony has been marched out for you already? You run your race, but you keep your eyes on Jesus. And then the next verse says, and you can look this up, who for the joy set before him endured the cross and its shame. For the joy set before him, he knew after the resurrection that he would ascend back to the Father and he would receive glory again in heaven. And so for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Notice what he's teaching us there. Don't look at today too long because today will baffle you and it will suck the life and the joy out of you. There's lots of, 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 of joy suckers out there. They just drain the joy out of you. So Jesus is teaching us, don't look at today, the trial. Don't examine it too long, but look to the joy set before you, and he endures the cross. Romans 10, 17 tells us how we bolster our faith. First, Hebrews said, at looking at Jesus, but secondly, that faith comes from what? Hearing the message, and the message is heard through word about Christ. The more you read about Jesus, the more you embrace the Advent story, the more you read the Word. That's why we gave you these Advent cards. You could be reading the Scripture every day. If you didn't get one, you weren't here the last two Sundays, they're, they're, we have more available in the guest services room. You can pick one up as you leave to the left of the sanctuary as you depart. There's something about the Word of God that, that just lifts our faith up. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word. So, I was thinking about your ears. Your eyes have lids. You can close them shut. Your ears don't, but you can close them shut pretty good too, can't you? Ever have your spouse, if you're married, ask you, honey, what did I just say? Oh, man. <laughs> you're thinking to yourself in that nanosecond, I should have paid better attention. Yeah. By the way, let me tell you what I've learned. 40 years plus of marriage, let me tell you what I've learned. It's best not to fake it. When Debbie asked me, what did I just say? I'll have to say something like, sorry, honey, I, I wasn't focused. Okay, it's better than trying to fake it. I think you said, now would you hear me say? And she'll say, you know, just, just. But, but you can close your ears to the Lord. You know why I know that? Because Jesus tells the churches in the book of Revelation, he that has ears, use your ears. Open your ears to hear. About 17 years ago, um, 
My, my sister, who I really loved, she was one of my biggest fans, and I was her favorite preacher. Uh, she died of ovarian cancer. She was 51 years of age. And uh, we traveled from here up to Santa Rosa, California, where she lived. And I was asked by her husband and my nephews to officiate her uh, funeral. And if any of you ever are in a position where you have to um, leave your emotions at the door and just do your job, that was one of those for me. And I am uh, in this sanctuary, large sanctuary. She was on the staff of the church there. She was involved with women's ministries. She even wrote curriculum for women's Bible studies at her church and just had a great passion for Jesus. And the, the worship team got up. They were doing this you know, monumental this great job of memorial and praise to God. And I'm seated there knowing that in about, oh, two minutes, I got to get up and say a word. And in my Bible was a card. I didn't like announce to the church, you know, my sister died or anything, but a few people heard about it. And uh, in my Bible was a little card that someone had given to me. And rather than just going over my notes, I opened the card up. And in the card was a hand written note, and it had this scripture on it, Isaiah 43. And I, I started to read it. But now this is what the Lord says. And it was like these words leaped off the page, knowing, again, I'm going to bring the word of hope to people and tell funny stories about my sister. And it says, uh, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, and I, I was reading that, and I changed the passage to say, when you have to officiate your own sister's funeral, <laughs> you, you'll get through it. You won't be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And then these words, these words leaped off the page. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior, do not be afraid, I'm with you. And I put that card away and I, and I went up to the platform and I introduced myself and then I said, I have a word from God for you. And it's, do not be afraid for I am with you. It's the very word my sister got to hear as she walked through the valley of the shadow of death. She didn't fear any evil because she heard, do not be afraid, I'm with you. Now, I'm just using that illustration. I, I, could, I could take the rest of the afternoon and tell you about all the times the Lord's word has come and helped me to, to be faithful. It raises my faith. Jesus also calls us to be more joyful. More joyful. Um, when you read the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, and peace, and the rest of them, you recognize that like an apple tree, an apple tree doesn't have to really work hard at producing apples. If it's healthy, apples will just come forth. They don't have to say, oh God, man, I, you know, if there be no pears today or apricots today, I really want apples. I mean, an apple tree is supposed to produce apples. And people that are in Christ are supposed to produce joy. And I know it's hard, but that's, that's the calling of our life. 
See, happiness depends on happenings, but joy depends on Jesus that in our soul we can stop and say, God, I choose to be joyful today. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful. I choose to be joyful today. Somebody said, well, that's great. That's positive thinking. No, it's not. It's biblical confession. I will be joyful today because Jesus Christ is my Lord and, and my Savior. And when he came to this earth, Luke chapter 2, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not what? Because I bring you something. I bring you really good news that will cause great joy. I mean, if you embrace Advent, if you embrace Christmas, and not just at Christmas, but every day of your life, you are people that are supposed to be great joyers, abundantly joyful, exceedingly joyful. And I don't have this mastered, but I'm praying in this season for my life, and I'm praying for you that we would be people of joy and we could say, you know what, this world might be weary, but I'm going to rejoice. And the third thing is that we would be more triumphant, that we would just know that when Christ came, he, he purchased our triumph, that we will triumph over death, hell, and the grave, but that we can be triumphant today over the evil that comes because greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world Somebody sent me an email. I, I got to just tell you, I mean, a spirit-filled believer, and they are so confused about the future of our country. So I sent them back a good response. I'm going to share it with you now. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. I mean, their email was all about Trump and Pence and all the people Trump is picking. By the way, get used to saying Trump, President Trump, because pretty soon he's going to do this and Commander-in-chief. People go, oh, I'm, I'm not accepting it. Get over it. Other people say, well, I wanted Hillary. Somebody else said, well, I wanted Mickey Mouse. And someone else said, I wanted Alfred E. Newman. That's only if you're old like me, you know who that is. <laughs> huh? And here's what I sent back to them. For to us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. I just wish everybody in every aspect of leadership would understand that they're not the ultimate leader, but that Jesus is. And he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, come on, help me out, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, now look at those names. That means you can sit down at his couch, put your feet up, you know? The shrink is in, right? He, you, you can tell him your problems. He's a wonderful counselor. And you know what? If you need his strength today, he's a mighty God. And in the midst of that, he says, I'm the everlasting father. I'll hold you like that picture of that baby who was receiving rest. I'll be a dad to you. And by the way, I know a lot about life. This is God speaking to a prophet about Jesus who's going to come 700 years after this prophecy. He's going to be the prince of peace. In other words, he has a treasure chest. And when he opens it up, he pulls peace out. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Who is in charge? Oh, thank you. And God says, well, excuse me, when you say God... 
I just like to say Jesus is in charge. And if you ask Jesus who's in charge, he's going to say God. And if you ask God and Jesus together in unison, who's in charge? They're going to say the Holy Spirit. Because they're triune, remember? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And somebody's going to raise their fist and say, I'm in charge. 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 It's going to echo down the quarter of the time, and God's going to say, uh, excuse me. Excuse me. Remember last week, excuse me, I'm in charge. Folks, triumph is fleeting. No one stands on the victory stand forever, except for Jesus. He is in charge. The triumph of Christ is not temporary. Max Lucado said it this way, triumph in Christ. We are triumphant. It is not something we do, it is something that we are. We rest in his triumph. Many years ago, but I'll remember it like yesterday, there was a dear lady in our church and um, she was in hospice care and um, her husband had called me and said, Pastor, it looks like we're getting near the last lap. And I went to see them and this guy was amazing faith. And he's reading scriptures to his wife and he's holding her hands and he's kissing her on the forehead like every 90 seconds. And, and as she's getting ready, I mean, she's getting ready to leave this planet. He, at the top of his voice, never had this happen before or since. He said, honey, you won. You won! The hospice nurse was like, honey, you won! You won! And after uh, she passed from this life to the next, he looked at me and he said two things. Pastor, this is a good day. I said, well, tell me. He said, it's a good day because she went first. She went first. If I went first, she'd have to live without me. And he said, secondly, it's a good day because she won. She believed in Christ. She loved his word. There's a place reserved for her in heaven. She beat death, hell, and the grave. She won. And sure, there was mourning and sadness because she would be gone, but she won. Hey, folks, in the end, I just want, I thought I should tell you, you're on the all-star team. You're, coming, you're going to come off the field and, you're, and you're, you're going to have a spring in your step. And you're going to have your key and he's going to have his key and he's going to unlock heaven for you. And you see, faith adores Jesus no matter what happens. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, oh come, let us adore him. And before we sing this, this song and, and pray and leave this place, I want to ask you just a couple of questions today. What's keeping you from joy? Is it a circumstance you're going through right now? Is it a meeting this week that you have that you've been dreading? Is it a test? Is it a, you just had a final and you're wondering what the grade's going to be and you can't have any joy? 
This is the doctor's prognosis. Well, what, what keeps you from joy? And, and here's how you can start to have joy. Quickly, you, you take whatever it is that keeps you from joy and you weigh it against the joy of Jesus. You weigh it against the Christmas story. And what, what has gotten you to a place where you just can't rest? Physically, emotionally, spiritually? Where we just stop and say, I want to rest in Christ today. And, and the last thing is, what just keeps you from adoring him? To push the pause button and, and get away from it all. And maybe like we did this morning, lift your hands to God and say, I just want to come and adore you. Because you're Christ the Lord. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.